Don't miss out on your chance to listen to four-time Super Bowl champ Charlie Weiss on the only podcast solely devoted to everyone's favorite position in football, the quarterback. Listen for free now by subscribing wherever you get podcasts or by going to CelebrityQB.com. It's another edition of the Fantasy Throwdown Podcast. I'm your host, Dwayne Callender. We just witnessed a madhouse of a Sunday night football game. And I'm just going to get right down to it. We got the Raiders and the Cowboys basically playing who wants to lose this game more. Uh, I'm just going to go back and just kind of recap to highlight what was one of the most idiotic fourth quarters that you will ever see hit any professional sport. So, we have the Cowboys drive. The game tied at 17-all. The Cowboys decide to go for it. Mind you, it's fourth and one inside their own 40-yard line. The Cowboys decide to go for it anyway. Dak Prescott goes for a QB sneak. He barely makes the first down. And by barely... I'm still not convinced he actually made the first down. But regardless, the refs gave it to him anyway. But that one was uh, marginally close as it was. So Jack Del Rio was already on tilt. More on that to come later. Then you get a pass catch by Jason Witten on a third down. And basically it was a third down and nine play. He gets a pass catch for eight yards, and it is eight yards, uh, eight yards and three and three and three quarters, <laughs> because in to- in terms of how close this measurement came down to, literally the ball is less than an inch away from the first down marker. So instead of just calling it fourth down because that's what it was, Gene Sterator comes up with what has to be the most idiotic way of determining a first down I've ever seen. Gene Sterator will now bust out, will, will forever be known as the paper card game, wherein he takes a piece of paper folded up on the open end to see how much room there is between the football and the first down marker and decides because there's not that much room between the two that the paper's touching both, that that counts as a first down. I've never heard of that actually being a rule in the NFL. I'm I'm very curious to see the post-game explanation by the NFL rules officiating crew to even legitimately explain how that could ever I mean this the NFL is a multi-billion dollar business multi-billion dollar business it's a piece of paper from friggin staples (laughs) I mean (laughs) you can't get I mean literally that was something out of the office that we saw here tonight between the Cowboys and the Raiders Uh, the Raiders (laughs) <laughs> Raiders, understandably, uh, just infuriated by the call. So, the Raiders 
uh, I mean, you can't even challenge the play. It's inside of two minutes. They couldn't even challenge it. I, I mean, I, I don't understand how that could even. But suffice to say, the Cowboys get the call. Gene Steratore. That, uh, like, if, uh, I, I mean, I can't do, words can't really, uh, words by me can't do it justice. But just look at the video replay of Gene Steratore trying to put a piece of paper in between a first down marker and a football. And you will see how ridiculous what I'm, the situation I'm talking about it truly is. It, it truly encompasses all the things that make professional sports seem like it's a running joke to anyone that doesn't follow professional sports of how ridiculous everything seems to be a melodrama but i mean that was legitimately something out of a movie we just saw tonight i i can't believe that that i can't believe i'm actually describing something that ridiculous so we have that situation uh develop meanwhile uh you know you've got another uh, issue wherein uh the uh, the uh, the Raiders uh, end up giving up the field goal, so Bailey kicks the field goal. The Raiders are basically scrambling for dear life to try to get uh, a tie a game tying field goal because it's less than a minute left. The Raiders on fourth down heave up a prayer of a pass. The Cowboys, for whatever reason, leave Michael Crabtree one on one against a rookie DB with no help over the top. The DB runs through Michael Crabtree to set up, <laughs> literally sets up a first down from the 25-yard line of the Cowboys with uh, 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 35 seconds left. The Raiders actually have a chance to win this game now. The Raiders uh, make a couple of pass plays, and then the crucial play of the game, wherein David Carr dives for the first down, is pushed in the back slightly by Jeff Heath. He already had the first down, uh, mind you. So he already reached out past the first down marker, decided to dive for the end zone to score the touchdown. Mind you, he's inside the three-yard line. So this would have been first down and goal from the three-yard line with a timeout under uh, 20, uh, with 20 seconds left, and he has Marshawn Lynch. Instead, David Carr opts for the improbable play of stretching out his hand to try to reach the ball over the pylon like a moron and fumbles the ball out of the end zone. Let me repeat. David Carr, with a first down and goal possibility inside the three-yard line, reached out to the pylon and fumbled the ball out of the end zone, thus ending the game for the Raiders and turning the ball over to the Cowboys on a touchback. That ends the Raiders season. If that doesn't tell you how ridiculous this game was from a standpoint of in a critical situation, this is what happens with NFL teams. I don't know what else to tell you. Because we're going to get into something else that happened today with the uh, uh, the Steelers and the Patriots. I mean, I, I was... Dean Tutair, my head out with some of these NFL teams today. 
it, it's just mind-boggling how ridiculous and just how just <laughs> the lack of foresight or any type of semblance of logic or reasoning applied in some of these games today i i i it's after midnight and i am for one am very tired of watching football because this was a mind-numbingly stupid day of nfl football today given uh the stakes involved with fantasy football there were so many many just boneheaded plays today by teams that we're gonna get into it so we're gonna do the recap right now hold on in the early game today we had the eagles going to the meadowlands to play the giants and wouldn't you know it the giants actually showed up today i mean if you were to tell me today that eli manning would be the second highest rated QB in fantasy after today's play I would have told you you were insane and to stop smoking shrooms and yet Eli Manning throws for 434 yards and three TDs and the Giants still lose the game basically this game came down to Giants came out early Beat up on the Eagles' uh, secondary. Sterling Shepard had a monster game today. I mean, 16 targets, 11 receptions, 139 receiving yards, and a touchdown. The Giants owned the Eagles every single time on slant plays. Guess what? You know who didn't call slant plays at all when he was offensive coordinator? Ben McAdoo, because he doesn't believe in them. But guess what? Ben McAdoo got fired. And guess what? The Giants' offense actually scored over 20 points for the first time in over a year. Think about that for a second, folks. The Giants' offense scored over 20 points for the first time in over a year. Do you know how hard it is not to score 20 points in the NFL? Even the Browns scored 20 points on offense. The Giants' offense has been so bad that they didn't even score that much with Odell Beckham as a lead wide receiver. Think about that. Think about that. Even last year they didn't score that much. Uh, you know, it is so frustrating as a Giants fan just realizing how much of a waste this season has been. The Eagles uh, had a great performance out of Nick Foles uh, who threw for four touchdown passes. I told you on the podcast earlier that Nick Foles was going to play well. He's going to be a packet passer, and that's what he did. So Alshon Jeffrey got a touchdown. Uh, Torrey Smith should have had a touchdown, but he got uh, pulled down on a pass interference because the Giants realized he was going to score the touchdown, so they, they'd rather take the pass interference than give up the TD. Zach Gertz had uh, six catches for 56 yards, and overall the Eagles were just efficient on offense. And they, they took care of business. Uh, they, they got the win at the very end. Uh, the Giants weren't able to uh, uh, get a, a game-winning score, which actually helps us in the end because we still uh, maintain our position for the number two pick in the NFL draft. But, uh, you know, this game was just a highlight of just how inept the Giants' play calling has been for the last 18 months that only now management realized how 
ridiculous McAdoo's play calling was. And the Eagles uh, figured out a way to win a game without Carson Wentz. Like I said, Nick Foles can operate that offense. It's just going to look differently. And uh, sure enough, it was uh, functioning differently. Uh, Foles threw for 237 with the four TDs, but he spread the ball around, uh, hit a whole bunch of different targets. Uh, like I said, the Eagles should be fine offensively. It's just that defense got to get short up. You cannot give up that many points to the Giants. I don't care. Even if we actually started running the offense the way it was supposed to be the entire way through with the Giants, you can't give up that many yards on offense. I mean, uh, that many yards on defense and expect to win a playoff game. Bottom line. Moving on. We got a game that was not a game. A game that featured Jacksonville and a team that reportedly are the Houston Texans. The Houston Texans... Honestly, the Texans didn't even bother showing up for this game. And I'll tell you why. In terms of total offense, let's do the... I'm just going to do the numbers breakdown of this game here. Because this game was so ridiculous that at halftime, the Texans didn't even reach 100 yards of total offense. They were at 80 yards of total offense. It was embarrassing. TJ Yates, the fact that he was actually allowed to play an NFL game... As a QB at this stage, it's it's a, a obscene. It's truly obscene. There's no way that this should have been an actual NFL game. I mean, I, I'm insulted by the folks who actually paid money to go watch this dreck. I, I, Houston had 186 yards of total offense. And they were lucky to get a touchdown by... DeAndre Hopkins. DeAndre Hopkins had to work his ass off to get a touchdown off of Jalen Ramsey. And Jalen Ramsey, to his credit, on the sidelines, is like screaming and talking to the defensive coordinator because he's pissed he gave up that touchdown to DeAndre Hopkins. That's a competitor. Which is more than I can say to anyone else on Houston, Texas. Hopkins did his job. Nobody else on the Texans showed up today. I mean, yes, I know. T.J. Yates is not an NFL QB. Yes, I know. You should have Colin Kaepernick as a QB. Yes, the season would have been different if you had uh, signed him after uh, Deshaun Watson got hurt. But, I mean, Houston, seriously? Nine first downs in the entire game? Nine? I I don't even know what else to say about this game. They lost 45-7. to This is ridiculous. They didn't even have Leonard Fournette. Come on. But that's not all, folks. We had some more suck fest going on today. Uh, on our hands, we had the lovely, lovely game featuring, I want to say it, your friend and mine, the Aaron Rodgers returning for the Green Bay Packers to face the Lions. And guess what? He wasn't that good. But he did throw for three touchdowns. Aaron Rodgers threw for three touchdowns and three picks. Had 209 yards passing, 43 yards rushing. But guess what? The Packers offense did not look that good today. Uh, Jamal Williams went missing in action. Uh, Aaron Jones had some rushing yards, but a lot of just discombobulation on the Packers game. 
they they had a couple of things going early on with Devontae Adams. Uh, we're going to get into the Devontae Adams situation uh, later on uh, because Devontae Adams had to lead this game, and this was one of the dirtiest plays of the year. But, uh, you know, the story of the game ended up being Cam Newton uh, taking over and uh, taking control of that game uh, with four touchdown passes. Uh, I mean, four, uh, four touchdowns total, three passing, one rushing, 242 yards uh, passing. But, I mean... Cam Newton just bossed that game. Uh, I mean, he took the game over on his back. He got uh, Christian McCaffrey involved. McCaffrey had over 130 yards uh, combined offense. But the, the and you know the return of Greg Olson uh, definitely changed the makeup of this game. Olson, 12 targets, nine receptions, 116 yards with a, a touchdown. Uh, the biggest thing uh, out of this, though, uh, was the fact that Devontae Adams went down with a concussion off of an Aaron Rodgers interception. And in that interception, uh, Devontae Adams got completely and utterly blindsided by a hit by Thomas Davis on uh, Carolina. I mean, uh, it was really ugly. Devontae Adams had a, uh, left the game with a concussion. But, it was, I mean, everyone's talking about it because it was such a clear and obvious blindside hit to Devontae Adams. Davis was not ejected from the game. Uh, he should be suspended the game. As much as Thomas Davis has been a straight-up guy in the league, and believe me, uh, you know, I've never seen him ever do anything like this. And, you know, he seemed remorseful about what happened. But, dude, come on, man. It's like he ran full tilt. And maybe it's the case of, you know, it was just like just slightly ajar from his eyesight. But from the looks of the video, when you look at that camera angle uh, review, it, it it looks almost patently clear that Thomas Davis leveled Devontae Adams intentionally leading with his helmet and took him out of the game. Uh, I, I mean, during an interception return. Uh, I there is so little evidence to suggest that he didn't see Devontae Adams that I don't under I don't, I can't see how he doesn't get suspended. If he doesn't get suspended, then the league might as well uh, fold up its tent with it, saying that it's caring about player safety because that was a blindside hit, which should have been clear uh, that uh, he could have avoided it, the. The uh, the actual collision with Adams and intent and instead actually initiated the collision. Uh, I, I just don't know where the NFL goes from here, but I, I think Thomas Davis has to face the suspension. And uh, the Packers were already on life support in terms of their playoff lives, uh, but I, I just don't see it. I don't see a scenario with, considering that Devontae Adams already had a severe concussion that. He can play next week. Uh, I mean, two severe concussions in the same season. I mean, that that is just not a very good, good uh, situation uh, at all. I, I you know, you, you just hope uh, for the best with Devontae. But, uh, you know, just an ugly situation in that game. Uh, did not get talked about that much with uh, the actual uh, uh Post-game uh, shows, uh, it got talked about a little bit afterwards with the Sunday Night Football group, but uh, 
still needs to be more uh, talk about that one because uh, again that that was a vicious vicious hit. Moving on, we we've got you know we've we've got a joke of a game here. Uh, the Ravens played the Browns. The less said about the Browns, the better. Deshaun Kaiser once again had less than five points of fantasy value. Uh, multiple interceptions, fumbled the ball. I mean, the Raiders' def- I mean, the Ravens' defense just absolutely overwhelmed it, uh, the Browns. Uh, I mean, the Browns uh, scored ten points. Ravens uh, won twenty-seven to ten. Uh, but it doesn't tell the story. I mean, the Ravens' defense just uh, absolutely abused the Browns. I, I, this was not this was not a competitive game whatsoever. Uh, the The Ravens' offense, if they had any clue about how to manage an NFL game properly, with again, to my point, if the Ravens had signed Colin Kaepernick, he would have beaten Joe Flacco out for his job this year. No question in my mind about that at this point. Uh, I mean, Flacco is, you know, even though the numbers say that Flacco had a good day, he, he was missing some obvious throws. Jeremy Macklin goes down with an injury. I get it. But, I, I mean, Joe Flacco is just making some of the most pedestrian throws. And I, I just, I don't see it out of this Ravens team. I, I really don't. Uh, it's just that the Browns are just so, so pitiful. Uh, you know, I, I didn't think the Browns were going to go winless, but the more I watch them this year, the more it just seems as though it, it's going to happen. It's just a matter of time now. Uh, it's There's just nothing there. And the fact that they keep throwing Deshaun Watson out there, that kid's not going to win a football game at the rate he's going at because it looks like he's regressing right now instead of actually – Making adjustments and learning during the job, uh, I'm I'm not I'm not seeing the light bulb click. In one of the surprising games of the day, though, uh, you had the Jets traveling to New Orleans, and you're saying to yourself, Bryce Petty is starting at QB. The Jets are going to get absolutely annihilated. Now, I said this from the outset that I didn't think the Jets were going to get annihilated because the line was at 16 and a half. I thought that was way too big. I thought the Jets were going to lose this game, but I thought this game was going to be close because the Jets were going to do just enough to limit the offense so Bryce Petty wouldn't get in too many uh, bad situations. And sure enough, the Jets did that. They actually slowed down this, uh, the Saints' uh, uh, game. I mean, they didn't allow the Saints to really... Uh, burst out on them uh, because they were able to keep uh, uh, keep them uh, honest with the run game and actually uh, manage the chain and move, move uh, chew up the clock uh, to keep the Saints off the field. So uh, Bryce Petty, 179 yards, a TD, two picks, uh, you know, nothing to write home about. I mean, not the worst thing in the world, but, you know, if you look at it from the standpoint of uh, total offense... I mean, the Saints should have utterly dominated the Jets, but, like, the Jets, like I said, the Jets did just enough to balance this because uh, uh, the Saints had 416 yards of total offense to 294 for the Jets, but time possession was even. I mean, the Jets did just enough to keep this game honest, and uh, if not for a late touchdown run by Mark Ingram, uh, 
this would have been a one-score game. Uh, uh, Ingram had a 50-yard touchdown run at the end to uh, seal the deal. But this was a 24-19 game for most of the fourth quarter. Uh, you know, I, I give the Jets a lot of credit here because, you know, they they did everything they could to hang in there. They kept the game competitive. Uh, but what, what you learned about the Saints today, very deep, very good. They were focused. They were going to be tough to beat at home uh, when they get games there. So uh, the uh, next matchup uh, that to talk about, uh, you basically had a whitewash between Minnesota and Cincinnati. Uh, it, Andy Dalton, the less said about him, the better. 113 yards, two picks. A.J. Green needs to get out of Cincinnati in the worst way possible. A.J. Green's not done by a long shot, but he is done with the Bengals. Uh, he, I, I, I can't tell you how frustrating it is to watch A.J. Green try to work with this team. Andy Dalton has lost all confidence. Doesn't have any confidence in this offensive line. Doesn't have the makeup of Eli Manning to stand in the pocket and deliver the football appropriately to his receivers. Uh, so AJ Green's just getting left out there on an island to die because he's not getting any looks at the football because uh, Dalton's bailing out of too many plays. I mean, the Vikings just owned the, the Bengals say It wasn't even worth having a, a segment on this game. Uh, but I will say that uh, the Vikings did what they needed to do. You had a good production out of uh, Jerick McKinnon and Latavius Murray. The split backfield's putting up numbers. You, you kind of wish uh, you had Dalvin Cook around there because he would have been a top three running back with this offense, the way that they're uh, uh, moving the football. Uh, Case Keenum putting up numbers. Uh, you also got Teddy Bridgewater uh, making an appearance back in the NFL after that severe knee injury that he had in a non-contact drill, so that was nice to see. But all in all, again, this was another game where there are there are NFL teams like masquerading as NFL teams right now because uh, there is no effort being shown. So uh, again, this was not the only game where there was an ole for effort uh, because uh, you know there were. We're gonna get we're gonna get to we're gonna get to some teams in a, in a bit, uh, but uh, next uh, game up, we're 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 gonna talk about uh, the Bills and the Dolphins. You know, I make fun of smoking Jay Cutler all the time, but this was a classic Jay Cutler performance. 274 yards and three interceptions. And mind you, the Dolphins did everything they could to not even be involved in this game. Uh, but Kenyon Drake stepped up, tried to get the Dolphins in it. Uh, over 100 yards total offense again. I told you to play him for fantasy and DFS. Uh, put up over 20 points at half PPR. Was over uh, 24 points at full PPR. But, you know... This was just a very game performance by uh, the other members of the Dolphins in spite of their quarterback. Dar Jarvis Landry, 10 receptions, 99 yards. I mean, Jay Cutler was just horrendous today. Uh, even at the very end, because the Bills won this game. Uh, I mean, they won 24-16. 
the Dolphins had a, recovered an onside kick uh, after, uh, after scoring a touchdown. The f next play, Jay Cutler grooves an interception to the Bills. I, you know, it's. It, I, I just can't. I, I can't with some of these teams. I mean, the Bills uh, had a good performance out of LaShawn McCoy. Uh, you know, uh, rushing touchdown, receiving touchdown. McCoy did it all. Tyrod Taylor did his thing. I mean, again, you know, if you're telling me that Tyrod Taylor can get benched in the middle of a season and Jay Cutler is standing out there throwing wounded ducks uh, for passes and not even being questioned for the starting role, something's wrong with the NFL. Because... You know, I'm watching this objectively. These aren't even my teams, and I'm seeing guys who need to be benched. Uh, just think up the joint. Uh, you know, Cutler plays a hell of a game against uh, New England in primetime, and then just phones in a performance the, like less than a, uh, six days later uh, in a game that the Dolphins, if they won it, would have been in the playoff mix. Uh, you know... It, it really, come on! Yeah, it's just I I can't I I just can't with some of these teams because the the truth of the matter is is that uh, there are way too many teams here with subpar quarterback play that are in the mix for the playoffs. Another uh, in a matchup that didn't mean anything, the the Redskins beat the uh, Arizona twenty to fifteen. Uh, you know, this game was just. A bore, but uh, Jameson Crowder put up some points. Uh, Kirk Cousins had two touchdowns. Uh, nothing really happened in this game. Uh, Arizona could not find the end zone if uh, they, they uh, were actually literally brought to the two-yard line. The Arizona would still figure out a way of not scoring a touchdown. They kicked five field goals. Good for Phil Dawson owners, I guess, but nothing uh, to write home about that game. Uh, another matchup... Uh, uh, that went on uh, to talk about uh, it's just the fact that you know and I'm just going, uh, going to go into the segment here because uh, this happened in the afternoon game and it needs to be said the Seattle Seahawks literally quit a football game today literally inf uh, psychologically quit a football game today the, the Seahawks Played the Rams in what was supposed to be a clash of tough NFC rivals. And basically the Rams showed up in Seattle's place. Said, you're not as good as you think you are. Punched them in the mouth repeatedly. And Seattle rolled over. Uh, there is no nice way to say about it. The Seahawks quit. Uh, I mean, Todd Gurley led all fantasy scores today. And, you know... I, I could do the highlight montage, but let's just break down the facts. Todd Gurley had over 170 yards of total offense today. Uh, I believe, it, actually, I think it was 180 total yards of offense today. Three rushing touchdowns, one receiving touchdown. I mean, you know, there there is just like, there are words you could say about the Seahawks, but the truth of the matter is, is that the, the Seahawks, quit. There, there, there's no nice way of saying about it. Todd Gurley was running through some holes and, you know, I know there are some players like Bobby Wagner on the Seahawks. I mean, you could see Wagner cannot close the distance uh, with a bad hammy. 
But there were, there were guys on the Seahawks that did not feel like tackling. I mean, uh, you know, most of the members of Legion Boom are, re- are injured at this point. Uh, so it's just Earl Thomas there. But, uh, you know, the Seahawks literally and fi- uh, figuratively are done. Uh, you know, and they could say whatever they want, but the Seahawks are done. The windows officially slammed shut. Uh, the Legion of Boom, probably going to get broken up, but that game right there broke the Seahawks because, you know, the Rams came into that game, didn't really need the game necessarily. Seattle absolutely needed that game, and the Rams literally just punked them. Just absolutely punked them. Uh, there's, uh, There's no way of getting around it. So that is the end of Seattle. Uh, like I said, Legion of Boom, uh, they're going to go through some salary restructuring. Uh, you know, Richard Sherman obviously was lost for the year with the Achilles rupture. Uh, you're not sure what uh, what they're going to do with him, but uh, chances are he's going to get cut or traded just because of the salary uh, cap issues that they're going to be running into. Offensive line was still a joke. They can't protect Russell Wilson. He was running for his life the entire game. Uh, just... Uh, an absolute mess of a game. Uh, you know, Russell Wilson only put up 11 points, and that was being kind because he had a scramble for most of those because nobody was really getting open either. Uh, like I said, Seattle was just kind of quitting on this game. Uh, there's no nice way of saying it. They quit. Now, uh, we're going to talk about a surprising development in the NFL. And that is Jimmy Garoppolo. You know, I, I, I talked about the, the Jimmy G uh, scenario, but it's legit now. The 49ers had no running game today. Yeah, I mean, I know most people were focused on the Pats-Steelers uh, game, uh, so I was kind of following this game uh, uh uh, throughout, uh, even though there was red zone as well, but Jimmy Garoppolo had no rushing support whatsoever from Carl's side. Uh, Tennessee basically forced Jimmy Garoppolo to win this game on his own, and guess what? He did. Uh, the Niners have forty uh, had 51 yards rushing the entire game. Jimmy Garoppolo threw for 381 yards. I mean, he won this game. Uh, there's no if, ands, or buts about it. Uh, you know, the 49ers had no business being even in the mix of this game. And, uh, you know, this was just a telling game because you had Marcus Mariota on the other sideline. Mariota had a very fine game, 23-33, 241 yards, and two TDs. Good game. Um, they got rushing out of DeMarco Murray. Uh, but Jimmy Garoppolo threw... He had 30, went 31 of 43, uh, th- had receptions by eight different receivers today. I mean, this was legit what uh, Jimmy Garoppolo put on today. Uh, just in all facets of the game, Marquise Goodwin had a breakout game, 10 receptions, 114 yards. Uh, you know, g- great story. Uh, well, I mean, there, there's some tragedy with that story too, but... You know, uh, from all accounts, just a good, upstanding guy. Uh, you're happy for him uh, that he's uh, been able to turn himself from a track star to an NFL wide receiver. But 
you've got the beginnings of a hell of a story with Jimmy Garoppolo and 49ers. Uh, they're, they're obviously going to bring him back for next season and figure out what his uh, new contract's going to be. But, uh, I mean, Garoppolo, you know, he put together a game-winning drive. Uh, that was impressive uh, uh, for uh, Robbie Gould to kick the game-winning field goal. It was really impressive watching Garoppolo operate. I, I'm, he's definitely on my radar next year. Uh, there's no, there's no question in my mind at this point. He's shown the goods that he can actually be a legitimate NFL QB next year. Uh, he's got pocket awareness. Uh, there, there are things I've seen out of this game because, like I said, he had no rushing attack uh, to speak of with Carl Hyde, uh, which I was surprised by. But uh, you know, give Tennessee credit; they were stuffing the run. But uh, Garoppolo was figuring out ways of uh, manipulating the pocket and actually getting passes off. Uh, you know, he 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 made he made some things happen today. I opened my eyes today. So, uh, like I said, uh, very very impressive. So let's get to the game that everybody's talking about. So we're gonna talk about it. Uh, we got the Steelers and the Patriots. Now, let's just lead off with the the main story. Uh, Antonio Brown, uh, torn calf muscle, uh, very doubtful to play next week. Uh, and, uh, you know, obviously everyone's going to be focusing on that for fantasy purposes. Now, in terms of the Steelers and Antonio Brown as they go forward, the Steelers, basically, by virtue of blowing this game have to uh, win their last two games just to make sure they make it into the playoffs. I mean, luckily, they're playing the Texans and the Browns, so that shouldn't be too difficult. Uh, But, uh, you know, it's just... uh, Let's just put it this way. The Steelers blew this game. The Steelers absolutely blew this game. Because there are a number of reasons why they blew this game. Brady was not on target. He was... He was off target a lot of throws, 22-35, 298, a touchdown and pick. But Brady was missing some uh, easy throws. Uh, Brady basically ended up relying on Rob Gronkowski to carry him because he dumped it off to Gronk, uh, who had nine catches and 168 yards. But Gronk was catching passes and just rolling down the field. Uh, The Steelers were going man-to-man, and the other Patriots receivers were struggling mightily. They, although they could not match up with Gronk, they needed to shade another safety on top of Gronk and just batter him at the line of scrimmage. Uh, Gronk just abused them. Uh, you know, he had already had eight touchdown catches in five games against the Steelers. Uh, but you know, I thought today they would actually change it, change it up a bit, and try to make them make them work. Uh, did not happen. They, they could not figure out a way of guarding Gronk. Uh, and it's not going to get any easier for the uh, the Steelers because uh, as it stands, uh, you know, you had a gr- uh, very good game out of uh, Le'Veon Bell, a great game out of Juju Smith-Schuster, who was filling in that Antonio Brown role. Uh, Antonio Brown's compromised for the rest of the season, folks. Uh, there's, there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. Uh, you know, they, the Steelers can say whatever they want. This was their playoff game, and the absolute worst thing could have happened. They got hurt, and they lost the game to the Patriots. Now, they were going to talk about uh, the play uh, uh, against uh, 
the Steelers where they overturned the touchdown catch by uh, Jesse James at the very end. Listen, I don't like the rule as much as anyone else. The Calvin Johnson rule is a stupid rule to begin with. But that's the rule that the NFL has in place. The fact that the NFL can't figure out what a catch, touchdown catch is and is not at this stage is, you know, beside the point. Uh, you know, I, I've, I've, had, I've, I've had to try to make my peace with it. And then I see stupid catches like the one in the Carolina-Green Bay game where uh, it was ruled not a catch and then they overturned it on video replay when his right butt cheek is clearly out of bounds. I, you know, I don't understand how that could be a touchdown catch. But this one was more clear as to, uh, you know what, the ball hit the ground and it was a little bit loose as Jesse James is extending the football. So I can see why you have to rule it an incomplete pass. By the basis of the rule, yes, that is an incomplete pass. By the spirit of what an NFL game should be in terms of a catch at, a, at any level of football, that's a touchdown catch. Everyone knows it, but because of the abstract rules the NFL has in place, you have to go by this ridiculous rule. They can't get over themselves but and admit that they screwed up when they initially made the Calvin Johnson rule in the first place because... The Calvin Johnson rule should have never have happened in the first place uh, when it did. We've been living with this nonsense for almost, uh, actually, it is it has been a decade now. Uh, and it's not getting any better. It's actually getting worse because, uh, again, you're seeing so many different ch- challenges happen uh, because they see a little bobble of the football and now everyone's going to challenge it. You know, it's just the dumbest thing possible. That's not what the rule was intended for. So... With that being said, the Steelers, even with the Jesse James touchdown getting overruled, you had the scenario of it's uh, uh, the Steelers get, have the ball, they're in the 10-yard line, they can clock the ball, it's a, a third down play, they can clock the ball and kick the field goal uh, with uh, uh, basically you would have uh, 12 seconds left on the clock. Instead, the Steelers opt to do a fake spike, and no one else on the Steelers is running a route except for Eli Rogers, running an inside slant. Ben tries to force the ball in there to Rogers. Ball gets deflected off his hands, picked off in the end zone. Game over. Pats win 27-24. A couple of things wrong with this scenario. One, Big Ben after the game said that the call came from the sidelines, not to clock it. If the call is to not clock it, why is there no one else on the field not knowing that he's not going to clock the ball? And I don't want to hear the BS that, oh, they didn't hear the uh, the play call that we had installed. No, here's what happened. Ben Roethlisberger called an audible on his own and ran a play with Eli Rogers because Eli Rogers on the previous down, uh, uh, previous sequence uh, on the drive was running an inside slant and was un and wasn't guarded by the Patriots. So Ben thought he could sneak one in on the Patriots and catch him sleeping, and he got burned horribly for that decision making. Uh, There's no, you know, no one inside this uh, Steelers coaching staff is gonna throw Ben under the bus. Because guess what? The only person dumb enough to throw their uh, quarterback under a bus uh, completely is Ben McAdoo, and he's out of a job. So, you know, at the end of the day, Big Ben made a call. 
It was the wrong call. He didn't want to own up to it after the game. But you can't say that uh, you can't throw your own coaches under the bus saying don't clock it because the replay clearly shows that when he runs that play, everyone else on the Steelers stops in their track. They don't even bother running a play because they think they're going to clock it. So how the hell is Big Ben the one claiming that uh, he heard a call to say clock it when nobody else did? So only he and Eli Rogers are the only guys running a play, and that play still took long enough to develop where Ben should have just thrown it out of the end zone, but instead tried to force it in there anyway, even though the Pats had the play defended. You know, again, you reap what you sow. Now the Steelers are in a position where they they uh, they don't control their own destiny to get the actual first round bye in the playoffs, and you know. They're, they're stuck with playing the road game, and guess what? Antonio Brown may not be ready for that wild card game. That bye was so important, and now the Steelers have squandered the opportunity. They needed to get that bye. Now the fact that uh, they have a possibility of having to try to rehab Antonio Brown from a calf injury and get him up to 100% so he doesn't re-injure it again, uh, this, is just, uh, this is just a devastating uh uh, loss for the Steelers. I, I don't care how you slice it. Uh, you know this is not going to go well uh, for the rest of their season. Uh, now, uh, basically stuck in a position where they're going to have to travel to Foxborough to get a win. Not not the way to go. Not the way to go. So uh, there's one more story I wanted to get to, uh, just because it happened. Uh, uh, the announcement came earlier that Jerry Richardson, the owner of the Carolina Panthers, is going to sell the team at the end of the season. This not so uh, uh, suspiciously happened on the heels of the announcement that the NFL was going to take over the internal investigation the uh, Carolina Panthers were doing against uh, Richardson for inappropriate workplace uh uh, behavior and using a racial slur with a former employee. Uh, you know, again, it seems as though the NFL uh, made the decision to force Richardson out uh, and told Richardson as such that he could make the profit off of the sale of the team, but he would need to vacate ownership of the Panthers. Uh, seems about as clean, uh, clean cut as it is, but uh, you're... You're beginning to wonder how many of these individuals are really being honest with themselves. Because the fact that a billionaire like Richardson is selling the team is a signal that, guess what? He probably did those things and more and doesn't want it coming out in public if the NFL does their own investigation. And and that seems to be the signal that the NFL is signaling to Richardson to uh, sell the team because they didn't make an announcement on what was going to happen with the investigation. So something tells me that they're going to shelve it in order to maximize the sale value of the team. They have to make sure that it doesn't look like it's a complete and utter scandal uh, with the ownership group. So uh, I, I, I kind of look at this as a, uh, you know, the story's going to develop further as people look into it more, but uh, everything about it seems very suspect, to say the least. Uh, so uh, that is going to wrap up the uh, show for today. Uh, well, uh, I mean, 
I would say tonight, uh, basically, well, slash today, given that it's morning. But, uh, you know, uh, we'll see how the Monday night game goes between the Falcons and Buccaneers. Uh, obviously, there are still some fantasy matchups left decided by that. Uh, I'm still licking my wounds from just uh, getting crushed by the likes of Todd Gurley and uh, 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 Kareem Hunt in matchups. Uh, but, uh, say la vie. It's just, you put yourself in as good a position as you can and you just hope that you can get yourself into the playoffs and from there on out, it's a free-for-all. But, uh, anyway, uh, uh, have a good night, everyone. Uh, hope you enjoyed the show and uh, until next time. most talked about position in all of sports, the quarterback. And now there's a show solely dedicated to the most sought after role on the field, Celebrity QB, featuring four-time Super Bowl champion coach, Charlie Weiss. Unlike other football shows, you'll get the inside scoop on all things quarterbacks. Like, is this the year Tom Brady finally looks his age? Will dating Danica Patrick distract Aaron Rodgers? I mean, he's dating Danica Patrick, Charlie. We're interested in that, you know? Well, I mean, Tommy's got Giselle. I'll I'll take Giselle, okay? (laughs) Is Dak Prescott good enough to win a Super Bowl for the Cowboys? Which rookie quarterback has the best shot of making a positive impact in 2018? How about intellectually, Charlie, as far as what they ask the quarterbacks to do now? The game has changed, but the pressure that's put on quarterbacks and it always been put on quarterbacks is tremendous. Join Charlie Weiss and co-host Steve Strout on an all-new podcast from Lasting Media exclusively about quarterbacks. Subscribe now at Apple iTunes or wherever you listen to great podcasts. Celebrity QB, everyone's favorite position.